welcome to our weekly BIM privacy space. Uh, well, we have a lot of interesting things today. Let me see. We have a lot of R&D updates. We have uh, community questions, and we have also uh, some news to discuss. Uh, so until everybody joins, let's start with that. Um, I think the most interesting piece of news recently was the crackdown on BUSD. You heard about it, Gus? Yeah, this was quite interesting. Uh, both like it, it was to do with like both Binance kind of and Paxos. Is that correct? Yeah. So uh, Paxos is actually the company that uh, created and operates uh, the stable coin that is known as BUSD for Binance. Paxos yeah. also operates another coin, uh, stable coin of their own, um, and also they are known for their kind of gold-backed uh, assets, right? So they are doing quite a lot of uh, things. Uh, and uh, the kind of process was that the SEC, which is the United States Securities and Exchange Commission there, they sent them a letter saying that they're going to sue them in a month uh, or so, uh, or, or at least they have one month to, to react. Uh, because uh, somehow they said that uh, BUSD is a security. I don't know how they came up with that idea, but uh, uh, that's the, the the case that they're trying to make. And they uh, uh, basically required them to, first of all, stop minting. So r right now the BUSD minting is stopped completely. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I found it uh, really kind of interesting and strange because, first of all, uh, like yeah, like they will go and will try to make a case that it's a security, <laughs> but also it's kind of like uh, you know they, they have converted BUSD to a kept emission uh, asset, yeah. <laughs> so, sort of uh, yeah. It, it, it's it's so so weird. Um, and Paxos is uh, also, uh, first of all, it's located in the United States, like in, in terms of the uh, jurisdiction, and also they are uh, regulated, they're like, uh, you know, uh, official companies. So it's kind of strange that, uh, uh, that this happened. And uh, then uh, I think most of the, like in addition to uh, specific impacts on BUSD and Binance ecosystem, um, the most speculations were about what's going to happen next. Is it about the stable coins? Are, are they going after Tether next? Uh, or is it about Binance? And are they going after Binance? So there is a lot of kind of uh, uh, uncertainty <laughs> here uh, going on with like, what, what what does it mean for the entire industry? Yeah, and, and definitely like one of the bigger things that we've seen from like a regulatory standpoint uh, going after like the stable coin that the biggest exchange is, is using. Cause I think like more recently Binance switched from like tether peers or USDC peers to make them all like, uh, U BUSD. Is that right? I, I think they did that. Yes. Yes. That's, that's what they did previously. But now my understanding is that, uh, they, they're going backwards in this regard. They're going to okay. add more, yeah, more, more stable coins uh, because obviously BSD yeah. is, uh, is is having problems right now. Um, and it will be interesting to see where, where this goes next. So first of all, uh, one important uh, note here, in my opinion, is that the regulation makes a big difference between uh, backed, stable coins like uh, BUSD, Tether, and uh, Circle, like USDC, uh, and uh, collateralized stables like DAI, for example, okay. uh, in terms of regulation. Uh, and, and indeed, these are kind of the, the, one of the opinions that I heard is that these assets serve uh, kind of completely different markets in terms of uh, their core use, user base, right? So uh, the BUSD, USDT, and uh, USDC are more like digital dollars in a way, uh, while if you're holding DAI, you're actually holding uh, Ethereum collateral, which is not the same thing. Uh, so they're going first uh, after these uh, assets that are backed by real dollars. And uh, for now, the collateralized stable coins are kind of in a different category, which is, uh, in my opinion, interesting and important. Yeah. 
Uh, and also, this uh, security uh, uh, security point is really, uh, you know, weird, right? Like, uh, how how do we make that a stable coin that cannot go up in value or down in value or whatever, and is actually pegged to US dollar can be seen as a security? I I I don't understand. Uh, I, I saw something. I saw someone posting about this, or a couple of people posting about this. And it made it a little bit more, made it make a little bit more sense to me. And it was saying that like often in crypto, when someone's talking about the security, they talk about like the Howey test and if it passes that it's a security, but that is just kind of one of the types of security or, or whatever. And they were saying that other ones, it kind of could be argued that it's that. And, and the one that they mentioned was something like a, uh, like a money market fund or something like this. Uh, and so it didn't have to be like uh, the actual holder of the, in this case, BUSD that is seen to be profiting, but the company that's like issuing it and using it itself that can be profiting. So for that mm. reason, it could also be a security or something like this. Anyway, I'm definitely, uh, <laughs> I'm definitely not well versed on like the American SEC, uh, and so definitely not legal advice, but I found that kind of interesting. Yeah, so uh, uh, neither of us uh, you know, are experts in this specific area, but uh, we will see how it goes. And uh, uh, it, it also depends on uh, whether Paxos is uh, actually you know, going to try to uh, prove their case in court or they're going to settle uh, what Biden's will do. Uh, but in any case, uh, other stables are, you know, kind of at least hinting that they will fight this. So we will see how it works out. Yeah. Uh, before that, uh, before that, uh, there was a, uh, a kind of similar uh, approach to a proof of stake coins, because this is like something that I can understand much better in terms of uh, this being a security, like you're staking your coins and making passive uh, income and profit from just you know, being a validator or like by proxy in the chain. Uh, and if this thing um, goes like, uh, uh, you know, gets bigger in terms of regulation, then it will also affect Ethereum probably. So this is going to be huge. Yeah. And, and uh, speak, speaking of that, I think like Kraken settled with the SEC and, and closed down all their staking operations for US customers last week. Uh, yeah, and and Binance also said that they're uh, prepared like to settle on, on some some of these uh, kind of cases. But uh, it, there are two points here. Like the first one is uh, in terms of the users, obviously, but the second one is also that uh, as of today, at least uh, in Ethereum case and probably other blockchains that are proof of stake, uh, a few of these organizations are actually controlling a. Uh, a huge amount of uh, stake relatively in terms of like validating uh, power. So uh, yeah. what what's it, it can also affect the uh, like in general the security of those chains. So it, it's kind of it seems to me like uh, that uh, the government is saying, listen, uh, crypto should be decentralized. You know, uh, you know we, we don't want uh, crypto to be centralized or too centralized. Let, let's let's. But kind of you, you got too big on this whole centralization thing. Let's move you back to your you know roots. Yeah. Uh, coins. The government says coins should be proof of work. They should be completely decentralized. No centralized exchanges. Yeah. So that that's kind of uh, very interesting because it moves <laughs> it it moves the crypto movement back to its roots, which is great. Mm. Uh, yeah. So that's that's the way I see it. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be exciting, um, but also a little bit scary in terms of uh, investment climate that what people are willing to buy these days. Because I'm thinking if you're getting out of centralized tables, like what do you buy? Probably Bitcoin, right? Like what, what else is there? True. And, and like this has been interesting in the last few days or I, I haven't been paying close attention, but Bitcoin seems to have done pretty well yesterday and, and over the last 24 hours. Which is nice yeah. to say. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's probably one of the reasons. Um, okay, so um, let's talk about BIM. <laughs> uh, now uh, we have quite a lot of interesting updates uh, to share. So first of all, um, the BIM DEX testing 
is going really well. Uh, there was a lot of great input from uh, the participants in, in the closed kind of testing uh, uh, beta version that we uh, have deployed on uh, DAPnet. And uh, uh, we did a lot of improvements over the last few days. And uh, I hope tomorrow we will release it for kind of general availability uh, DAP store on, on DAPnet. Yeah, in terms of functionality and uh, the features, uh, like and in, in, in all of the major stuff, we are very, very close to being ready to release on mainnet. So that probably will happen as soon as possible as well once we finish all of these small fixes. The input from the community was really valuable. And uh, thank you very much for everyone who participated in the testing. Um, there are two things that uh, I, I want to mention here. First of all, uh, like if some things or like some additions or improvements are not going to be in the first version once we launch, they will definitely be uh, added later. So we couldn't or didn't want necessarily to fit all of the uh, ideas and suggestions that were uh, proposed into the first version. So it's not like the, the final one, it's just the, the beginning. The second one, and um, this is something that I think is very important. Um, we kind of got to it a little bit too late, but I think we will not necessarily have it in the, at launch, but we will definitely try to, uh, to add it as quickly as possible, uh, is the integration with uh, Hummingbot uh, for market-making purposes. Um, yeah, uh, for those who are not uh, familiar, Hummingbot is um, uh, an open source software that is uh, uh, used for quite all kinds of different purposes, mainly for market making. And uh, it supports a wide variety of both centralized and decentralized exchanges. Uh, and uh, if you want to uh, be able to trade, like, uh, you know, not just manually, but using some automated tool, uh, Hummingbot is a great uh, uh, kind of tool to do that, very easy to configure. You can run it on your own machine. You don't need any special uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, setup for that. And uh, uh, you can configure your own strategy of whether you want to uh, buy or sell or do market making or like hunt for specific uh, prices. Um, very nice uh, tool. And in order, it, 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 it today it supports, uh, obviously, the Ethereum ecosystem. It also supports Solana. And uh, it means that it can be extended, like we can create an adapter uh, to support uh, Beam as well. Uh, we, we have everything we need in terms of the APIs on our side. Uh, what we need is just to um, add uh, the, the adapter for Hummingbot, and then uh, anyone will be able to do trading, not just manually through the UI, but also through bots. Nice. Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, this is the first thing. The second one is the Bit Asset, uh, Beam Asset uh, Minter that uh, uh, is also right now available for testing on DAPnet. It, it's also ready, uh, can be improved. There are a lot of suggestions for improvements, uh, but it does uh, its kind of you know basic function of allowing anyone to create an asset with a limited cap supply validated through the smart contract and not just uh, minted by wallet. Um, and uh, it's also ready and uh, also will be released uh, very fairly quickly. Um, the bridges uh, are all already operational uh, on mainnet. We are uh, doing some uh, uh, documentation updates and uh, uh, the instructions for anyone who wants to run their own bridge are also uh, on the way. So uh, this is something that we already launched. Uh, and yes, uh, all of these uh, will be followed by marketing efforts, uh, I think, uh, during the next couple of weeks. Um, what else? Um, okay, so one important thing that uh, we are now trying to catch up on is the Blockchain Explorer. The Blockchain Explorer uh, fell behind in terms of the feature set uh, that is needed to fairly, like, you know, represent the situation with the contracts on chain. And it's very important uh, for several reasons. First of all, uh, in order to understand like what's going on in the blockchain, which contracts are used, uh, what is the amount of uh, locked tokens in, you know, in all kinds of uh, applications that we have. Uh, so this is something that uh, uh, Vladi is now working on after he has uh, finished most of the work for the uh, hardware wallet. 
support and hardware support will be released in the next desktop version. Uh, I don't know exactly when it will be, but probably also within a week or two. Yes. Uh, and the last important update is regarding the web wallet. So the web wallet, um, what what happened there is that Google uh, Google has updated their APIs for Chrome, um, and uh, they changed uh, they changed quite a lot of things that uh, we were using in the in the web wallet um, because like the entire mechanism of how the extension is uh, communicating with other pages uh, was completely changed. So we had to rewrite this mechanism and uh, now we have a version that is working with the new API. So we will uh, finalize it uh, fairly quickly. So it's, it's almost ready uh, and they will submit it to the uh, Chrome web store. So you will be able to update it. And one, I have a question on this, and, and this comes from what you showed me uh, just before the space. How will the web wallet work with like applications and this kind of thing? And or, or rather, will it work with ap applications like the asset mentor and this kind of thing? Yes. So uh, it, it, it will absolutely work with applications. And um, uh, there is a slight kind of difference here between two types of applications that we have. There are applications that are served uh, from kind of the BIM, BIM server. Um, in terms of the technology, an application is just a, a web page that uses, uh, you know, standard web technology instruments to be developed and, and operated. And inside desktop wallet, we present it using this uh, kind of web uh, control. And this allows us to take the same exact same application and then just host it on the server and uh, you can access it from you know, your browser. And once you are in your browser and you have the Beam wallet uh, Beam Web Wallet installed, the application will connect uh, to the wallet and allow you to use the application using the Web Wallet directly. So there are two kind of uh, or two things that uh, are a little bit uh, complicated. So the first one, what about the applications that are served through our decentralized application store? Because in the decentralized app store, what is happening is that the application is actually located on the IPFS. Okay, yeah. And it is downloaded and uh, used directly from your desktop wallet, which is a great idea for you know uh, privacy-oriented distribution of applications, and it's like very um, kind of very convenient mechanism. But it makes it more difficult to host it uh, directly from a browser. Uh, I believe there are technological ways to, to do that, but uh, it's not supported at the moment and we will need to do some uh, research on how we can make it happen. So at, at least in the first version, uh, like initially only the applications in the official kind of Beam store will be supported through Web Wallet. The second point um, is, um, uh, what was I about to say? Like there, there was an, another concern. Ah, so. Here's the thing. In some cases, there is a conflict between uh, kind of privacy considerations and the convenience of, of operation of, of different features, as we know. And in Web Wallet, uh, if the page cannot determine that the Web Wallet is installed, like at all, which is the best thing for privacy, like you, you can't even know that somebody has been Web Wallet installed. Uh, but it makes it much more difficult for the page to connect to wallet, right? When you are going to, uh, let's say, uh, a standard Ethereum uh, web application, even though it's centralized, like it shows you the connect wallet button. And then when you click on it, what happens is that uh, the page accesses the web wallet, the, like the MetaMask wallet directly and uh, uh, connects to it, right? So if you don't know that the wallet is installed, you cannot do that. So this is yeah. something that uh, I think we will change. Like it will be possible for a, for a specific page to see whether the, whether the wallet is installed because uh, in terms of uh, connecting the application, uh, it's kind of uh, essential feature. Like otherwise it makes it very, very weird, right? So like if you want to create more engagement and you bring traffic to your page and your page is, uh, you know, uh, a beam uh, decentralized application uh, and then 
you know, you need to do a lot of steps in order to just connect to it. It makes it much more difficult to engage with your audience. Uh, and this is something that was mentioned quite a lot, you know, by people who are developing uh, all kinds of applications that connect with Beam Web Wallet. So I think this is something that we will change. Yeah. Um, another thing that we uh, need to discuss uh, and talk about uh, is um, the permissions that applications get inside the desktop world. Because today what happens is that it's very difficult to do any kind of operation that requires um, you know, the information that resides in the wallet uh, uh, inside the application. For example, when you go to the DEX and you just want to know, for example, which, uh, you know, which pools you are a liquidity provider in, which is a fairly basic uh, request, it cannot be done uh, directly by exploring your holdings in the wallet in terms of like which liquidity LP tokens you're holding because uh, obviously the application does not have access to your wallet data uh, for a good reason, right? For the reason of privacy. So yes. we might think about all kinds of different mechanisms, uh, something that like uh, allows the user to give explicit permissions to certain applications to see certain tokens or, or something like that in order to make this more convenient. Because today you're going into the DAP and you just see uh, withdraw liquidity button on every pool. And then you need to know or you need to check your kind of wallet balance to see which of these tokens you're holding. And they're all uh, look very similar. They only differentiate by uh, the ID of the asset. So it's, it's, it's a little bit uh, cumbersome and difficult process uh, in terms of usability to understand which pools you are uh, a liquidity provider in automatically. Yeah, makes sense. I, I mean, and, and it's one of the like big trade-offs, obviously, with uh, like privacy. If you could see everything that the wallet hold, holds or held and this kind of thing, then it's not good at all for privacy. But that comes with like a little bit of nuance into how to make like the user experience optimal. Yeah, it's. Um... You know, it's always the case uh, with security and privacy features. They're rarely convenient to use. Uh, yeah. But uh, the balance here is important. Like, I, I don't, really don't want to get into the situation where the user is encouraged to just give permissions to any application just, you know, to see it working like you sometimes see on mobile phones. You download some app and then it requires, you know, to access this and that and you're like, yeah, but I want the app, so I will just click OK, and then you forget about it. That's not where we want to go. Uh, but on the other hand, sometimes it might be too restrictive. Um, a good example of, of uh, a feature that we have developed, and it's working great, but it's completely, uh, not completely, but it's difficult, relatively difficult to use, is atomic swaps. Uh, and by the way, uh, here we have some uh, questions from the community about adding Monero to the atomic swaps and Ethereum Classic. Um, yeah. So uh, in the news recently, there was a uh, story about the closing of local Bitcoins. Maybe you saw it? Ah, yeah. Yes, and I think I got an email from them and, and saw it a little bit online, yeah. So this was uh, one of the longest operating, I think over 10 years, uh, kind of privacy-oriented uh, uh, market basing for, for swapping uh, Bitcoin and other currencies. And, um, uh, you know, it, obviously it was a little bit less uh, convenient than, you know, just going to a centralized exchange in terms of uh, trading, but it, it did provide privacy initially, and then they were uh, required to add KYC and add all kinds of additional, uh, you know, tracing uh, mechanisms for the users and check every transaction with the uh, elliptic, I think it was. So it became both non-private and not, you know, less usable than, than exchange. So it kind of was uh, going down in, in the user base and eventually it closed. So the atomic swaps that uh, BIM provides are actually, like, for now, they're only uh, supporting their like, atomic swap between BIM and some other currencies. Uh, but they are uh, a completely decentralized alternative uh, if you just want to, you know, exchange these these coins like directly using uh, our uh, atomic swap marketplace. But 
Um, because we have required a maximum amount of confirmations, let's say on Bitcoin, it's like six confirmations, like in terms of, so you can be sure uh, that there will be no rollback and stuff like that. So the atomic swap took a long time, right? It takes uh, about an, uh, over an hour to complete uh, on average. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's very difficult like to use, right? So we, we could have done what some other services did is just reduce the amount of confirmation to basically one, uh, I saw examples. And then it will be much faster, but then you kind of give uh, uh, less uh, reliability, right? So what happens if there is a rollback, even though on Bitcoin it's very uh, unlikely to happen, but still. So this is exactly the trading trade-offs that we have faced when, when developing this feature. So in terms of the technological, uh, like for ETC, it's not it's not a problem technologically. It can be done. Uh, for Monero, I'm not sure. I need to check uh, whether they support all of the uh, infrastructure because the Bitcoin um, after like some some forks, they they supported all the mechanisms that we need uh, to implement atomic swaps uh, with Bitcoin. Uh, I just need because Monero is a fork of Bitcoin. I don't know if they updated like to the latest uh, version. I'm not like following this topic, uh, but it can be possible to implement atomic swap with Monero as well. The problem is that we also need to think about how to make it more usable and uh, yeah. more people to use it. Yeah, like I, I believe that some at least some of the people that were using uh, services like local Bitcoins uh, could switch to to our implementation. And also one of the things that are possible in terms of like technological, uh, you know, aspects, but we need to kind of figure out what's the best way to approach this is to have um, direct swaps between, let's say, I don't know, like Bitcoin and Litecoin, like not, not just going through Beam. Okay, yeah. Uh, that's, that's also a possibility that we have once discussed, but we didn't implement back in the day. Um, it's possible that we just need to to see like how um, how we can address this uh, in terms of like uh, time and effort and uh, usability. Makes sense. Uh, a question on this, like for the atomic swap, something that's come up a few times has been like the liquidity and and the uh, difficult to like find orders to to take. Would the the one you mentioned earlier in the space, the humming bot. Yeah, would this be able to be used with the atomic swaps as well? Do you think, or um, potentially? Uh, I, I'm not sure. Uh, it will. It will uh, actually work. Disregard yeah. that because we there already is, if I understand correct, VS Nation. I think created like a market making bot for the atomic swaps. That I think is open source. Uh, yeah, the, the, there are some tools uh, available today, but um, uh, like I, I don't, you know, I, I didn't review them personally, so I, I'm not exactly sure. But I will check that, no and I will get back to you. Um, but in any case, I think there needs to be uh, some, at least some improvements done on the, uh, you know, uh, usability of, of this feature before it can be. Uh, really used by, you know, by by real users and not just for like people who are willing to wait for an hour for the swap to complete. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's let's check about Monero, and we will definitely need to to have some kind of additional uh, uh, thoughts about how to make this more usable in order to continue supporting the swaps and expanding them. Um, I think an ideal direction, uh, if we could afford it in terms of time and uh, you know uh, effort investments, it would be to do something similar to what RAN protocol did. I mentioned it uh, a couple of times, uh, which is having a uh, kind of this. Uh, uh, so RAN, RAN did it for bridges, but uh, you know, like have some more, more kind of decentralized solution uh, for operating that. Like, Transfers of assets between chains, and you know, like makes this a little more, more sophisticated. Like not just swaps, but also like for for bridging solutions. But that would take more time. Yeah. That's that's a, a something that uh, I think can be really useful. You know, for moving assets around between different chains. 
Um, okay, so what else we have here in the in the questions uh, that were asked by the community? Let's see. Mm -hmm. So there are some questions about marketing. Uh, there are some questions about exchanges. Uh, all of them were uh, forwarded, like to to you know Amir basically. Uh, I don't think we should discuss it here, like there are no actual news on that front for now. It, like not, not the marketing, but the exchanges part at least. Yeah, with exchanges, we can't really like comment much on exchanges anyway in general, uh, like efforts will be made. And, and if anyone mentions an exchange that they want us to contact, we'll reach out to them and this kind of thing. Yeah. There was a question in the chat in the main beam channel on Telegram. Uh, and it's from Unseen Shadow Kane. And they're talking about like a in-between wallet between like in-between the user wallet and the dApp, having like an account in the dApp so that it can see your balances. And and I wanna ask if this is possible and would it like solve the issue we mentioned before, or would it just move the the same issue to the other side? Like a create an extra step. Um, can you can you explain this a little bit and a little bit? Uh... I, th I think what they mean is like, uh, say you have a say you're like working with the Dex or stablecoin, and you have your wallet. Then on the Dex side, you have like a almost like a at least my interpretation of the question. It would be like a centralized exchange where you kind of deposit it into your. Oh. Uh, like ah. wallet balance on the exchange and, and then the decks can see what your balances are and this kind of thing. Oh yeah, uh, now I understand the question. Uh, yeah, so well, maybe the problem is that it will also expose your holdings uh, to everyone and not just your DAP. So it, it would be it would be simpler and more correct to just allow the DAP to access your balances, uh, either for uh, all tokens or for specific tokens. Uh, and it will be it will be better to do it this way than just you know send your LP tokens to a contract and then use that in order to understand how much you have. But yes, it would solve the problem. Uh, I'm not sure it's the, it's the best uh, it's the best way, but it, it is possible. Uh, I think what we're going to do is just to we're going to make a proposal that we we're going to discuss of just giving a specific application kind of partial permissions to to see either like some specific set of your uh, tokens and their balances uh, or just you know all of them like because when you're going into the decks and obviously there are a lot of uh, pools there, so it, it makes very uh, easy for you to just like kind of select uh, where you want to trade based on your holdings. And it, it makes sense to give the DEX access to all of your balances for a specific kind of session or period of time. Uh, yeah, so we just want to, to be careful with that because uh, after all, it's, uh, it's a privacy software. So we don't want to be uh, too trigger happy with all these permissions. Uh, once uh, I see that Unseen Shadow King is typing something, but once he does, I want to address another question, uh, which is also a little bit related. Uh, that was like, uh, can the wallet be modified to allow to receive transactions before logging into wallet? Uh, and the, the answer is no, uh, unfortunately, or like uh, by design, because uh, when you log in into your wallet uh, and you type your password, it actually decrypts the database that is stored uh, inside, right? So this is the password that is used to encrypt your um, kind of database of the wallet that holds all the relevant information uh, in order to sign transactions. Uh, and since um, like definitely Mimblewimble transactions, which are interactive, require uh, your wallet signature, whether you are sender or a receiver, um, it's not really possible to receive transactions without looking into wallet. However, we do have offline transactions, uh, which you will receive even if you don't uh, use your wallet or are not online. So if somebody suspects that uh, you can be offline and still wants to make sure they send funds to you, they can just use the offline transactions for that. 
so I think it uh, uh, it kind of solves this this issue. Now, if you do have an automated rig, uh, like I think this person asking the question is having, and you think this uh, machine is well protected uh, in terms of uh, you know uh, outside access, uh, what you can do is you can add. Uh, the password to the wallet into the command line parameters. It can be done both command line and the desktop wallet. Uh, you can just put it into the configuration directly, uh, and then uh, the wallet will uh, automatically log in without requiring to type a password. So that's that's also solvable. But once again, the password is in the config file, and you know this machine should be well protected so you don't uh, expose it in any way. Absolutely. And and like if it's for a, I, I think this question comes up a little bit from miners in general, uh, also regarding like their pool payout. I, I would like be talking to the pool and, and getting them to add support for the offline addresses uh, because it would be beneficial for the pools themselves as well because then they would have less issues and, and this kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, it's, it's a good... Uh... Uh, very good mechanism, you know, which is much more convenient in certain cases than the Mingo Wimble, but uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so there is another question uh, that uh, was asked here. One second, let me find it again. Um, so there was a question about the DEX customer support. I saw this and I also just went on SushiSwap and tried to find the sushi swap which was one that was mentioned has yeah. a customer support but i couldn't find anything yeah well they Maybe I'm... I, I, like uh, you know uh, but anyway yeah beam does have uh, a support channel on telegram uh which yeah. is uh uh monitored boys both by by us and by the, the beam team and the community uh, and uh, most of the questions get answered fairly quickly uh, uh, but yeah, like it's important to uh, get to know um, the application that you're using before actually committing uh, a lot of funds to it. Uh, so yeah, if you're starting to use any feature in Beam, uh, definitely ones that are new, uh, such as Bridges or the Dex once it's released, uh, please you know spend a few minutes to play with it uh, just so uh, it doesn't confuse you because yeah these these features tend to get uh, complicated and sometimes can be confusing and if you uh, are not sure like you, you can always do this on dubnet uh, which i highly recommend to download and uh, have uh, on your machine uh, just to play with the newest versions of vim applications it's always uh, a nice experience and also if you notice anything uh, uh, you know that you don't like or want to improve. This is also the great kind of uh, testing ground for us to get input from you, uh, and uh, we do look uh, you know forward for for having all of those inputs as many as possible. It really helps. Really, really helps. The testing of the decks was really amazing. Yeah, like the I, I so many good feedbacks and and this kind of stuff for the decks and other applications. Uh, I mentioned about in the newsletter last week that one of the guys was, or one of the guys or girls was uh, playing around with the decks and was using the asset mentor to spin up assets and create liquidity pools and this kind of stuff. And and for anyone that is like learns by doing, then playing around on the DAP net with the applications and this kind of stuff is the way to go. Uh, absolutely, uh, like. Um... I, I think it's a great kind of testing ground uh, for, for all kinds of uh, you know, features that we uh, developing and most of the applications there are updated uh, quite regularly. Um, let me see if there are any more questions that we would like to talk about today. And obviously you can always ask more questions. Uh, Beam Web Wallet for Firefox. Uh, I think Firefox should support um, Chrome-based Chrome extensions, but I need to check in terms of these um, communication mechanisms, whether it's working. I will get back to you on that. Uh, Nifrit recently uh, published a post saying they're on track with their development, uh, which is also great. And there will be a vote about that in the coming months, I hope. What else we have here? Mm -hmm. 
regarding the improvements in the NFT gallery, yeah, we need to organize uh, all of the feature requests there and try to invest some time in updating the gallery. It was not touched for a long time. What else? What else? Yeah, I think that covers most of the questions that we had, uh, you know, written down here. Right? Yeah, I think we do. Yeah. I just saw a great question in the Beam community price chat from Arav, and it is when Trinance. <laughs> I thought that was good. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I heard Trinance is, is the next be best thing after Binance. <laughs> um, okay, so uh what else do we want to talk about after we have covered i think quite a few updates uh and quite a few questions i have a question after like from from my understanding and like from the information that was shared in the space uh a lot of the applications that were kind of scheduled in for late last year are coming to fruition uh what sounds like this month pretty much uh the decks, the bridge is already on mainnet, the ascent into, uh, and one question that I think is a good one is what, or where will the focus shift after these applications have gone live, both in terms of development and in terms of like a uh, BMX and the DAO itself? Yeah, so, um... There are two, or at least kind of two major uh, directions, I would say, that, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we need to uh, pursue almost simultaneously in the coming months. So first of all, um, regarding the uh, DAO, right? So we, we need to um, organize uh, all of the uh, kind of, DAO-related activities, started to, starting with voting, obviously, uh, because as you know, all of the applications uh, that are developed uh, by, by BIM are um, working with the uh, BIMX DAO Vault, and they're contributing uh, to, to the DAO Vault. Uh, so there are profits accumulated there, and the, uh, the BIMX holders you know, need to participate in, in that. So there are kind of additional mechanisms that we need to deploy in order to uh, make the regular votes happen. Right now, we have support for uh, kind of specific special votes uh, in the uh, voting application, but it needs to be extended to also work on that. Um, and uh, in general, uh, and it was discussed quite a few times, uh, like we, we had a lot of very good comments about that from the community. Uh, we, we need to kind of um, organize the case for BIMX, right? So everybody understands uh, like what exactly BIMX is and how it operates and what it gives you, like why why we should hold it and uh, what is the value and what is the value proposition of it. So this is this should be the focus, right? So we, we did a lot of uh, things in terms of tech development, uh, but uh, it's essential that we kind of uh, organize uh, the operational part of it, like how how the DAO really works, like what's the process. So we did have a lot of ideas, proposals uh, that we published, discussed. Uh, some of them are working, some of them are kind of on hold, and we just need to uh, you know make sure all of this is uh, uh, clear and organized. Um, so this is the first very important uh, you know thing that we we need to do. Uh, the second one. Uh, and I'm not, like I'm not talking right now about like EVM support and things that are happening, but uh, you know once again they're more kind of on the technological side. I think the second thing is to uh, organize the ecosystem better, right? So we, we have um, quite a lot of applications and tools, especially now that we complete the the bulk of the DeFi apps that we we have been talking about for a long time and developing for a long time. Uh, and now we need to organize all of the ways uh, to engage with those applications. Uh, it means uh, maybe updating the website, maybe adding like you know links to to our DAP store and using the web wallet, making them e easier to engage. Uh, we have a separate effort going 
to allow uh, MetaMask to connect to to Beam ecosystem. Uh, it's still a work in progress, but like I hope it will it will be possible to do so. And then uh, once again, like in certain limited cases, like not for all types of transactions, but in order to engage with at least some of the applications, you will be able to use MetaMask and connect with Beam network. That also be very nice. Um, and I think it also uh, will uh, help the marketing efforts because it's one thing when you, uh, you know, read about something, uh, get excited, and then you understand that you will need to uh, download a few pieces of software and wait for, uh, you know, a few hours for, for the blockchain to synchronize and, and this and that. Uh, or you just click and, you know, you get into this uh, new world that you would like to explore. So we need to work on this part. Um, now with the applications and with the kind of uh, additional mechanisms that we have, uh, it, it's easier than before, right? Before you 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 had to, you know, go the the uh, kind of the the whole uh, road of you know downloading the wallet and getting beam, but now we, we have more um, tools to do that than ever, and uh, I think that's where we should focus. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so these two these two things. Um, are, are essential and uh, uh, once again, like in terms of uh, help from the community, I think uh, uh, it's very important like to continue bringing up those ideas, asking those questions uh, and uh, you know participating because uh, uh, it really helps. It really focuses us like uh, we have a much better understanding of what's working, what's not, you know, what's working better. Uh, so yeah, that's, it's been great, and uh, I hope it will continue. Absolutely. Uh, we had some suggestions um, in terms of uh, participating in a uh, uh, YouTube channel, right? So there was this... Um... Ah, yeah. Someone mentioned Lex Friedman specifically, right? <laughs> Which is, is cool. Uh, yes, yeah, so ob obviously we can... Um, we can push, uh, you know, we just can contact directly, but if you have any inways or like you can do any introductions, that's always welcome. Um, there is a question about Beam Anonymous Messenger. Um, so it's it's part of the upcoming desktop wallet release that will be uh, a feature in it. Uh, we have a problem now because, you know, we have Beam Asset Minter and Beam Anonymous Messenger, which are all, all both of them are, um, uh, have uh, the same acronym. We need to rename one of them. <laughs> ah, uh, because the Beam Asset Mentor. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and Shadow King said he, he didn't. Twitter didn't <laughs> like hearing about anonymous messengers. <laughs> yeah. We have we have a request from Jostaraski. Uh, I cannot see it. Can no? You... Okay. No. I thought I thought I thought there was. Okay. <laughs> Can. Um, so we were actually, uh, you know, very nearly finished anyway. Uh, even though we got rudely interrupted by uh, Twitter software. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Now I see the request. Sorry. Okay. I saw, I saw it before. Yeah, sorry. No, I didn't have requests. I, I just, uh, I'm just joining in. That's good. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. Um, okay. What what else do we have to, to discuss here today? Or we can just, you know, wrap it up a few minutes early. Uh, and uh, yeah, continue continue to do what we're doing. Absolutely. Oh, Sam is good. Sam, Sam is a good suggestion. There is a suggestion to call it Sam. Sam is good. That's a good yeah. one. Uh, are you guys planning? Like, I know you guys are planning to implement um, EVM onto Beam. Yeah. But yeah. but uh, are you guys planning to maybe making some sort of a D app to kind of work both ways to have one on, like, let's say Ethereum Classic and Ethereum, and also kind of like a, a two-way like two apps 
on two different chains to kind of tie something in a function. You know, let's so, say a, like a privacy function or something. Like I know you guys got the Bridges app, but uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. It's it's a little bit kind of complicated to uh, have this uh, like add-on privacy like for, for for existing chains like Ethereum Classic, for example. Um, uh, but um, in terms of like let's separate it into two parts. So first of all, in terms of what you can do on Beam once we have the EVM, yes, you can create contracts for either virtual machine and uh, they can run concurrently. Um, but uh, in terms of uh, providing privacy for, for other chains, like, uh, yeah, bridging is obviously one way, right? You move assets and then uh, you are, you're in a new place. Uh, but other than that, it can be only sort of like layer two solutions, uh, basically something that runs above, right on top of both, let's say, Beam and, uh, you know, some other chain. So it's kind of not exactly bridging because you can still keep assets uh, on the original chain. You don't need to move them, uh, but you can do all kinds of transactions, uh, you know, going through uh, like both chains. That's possible. It's sort of how uh, rollups operate in, in some way, even though they mostly use a single chain. Uh, but but it's a little bit far far from us right now, right? So we we still need to figure out quite a few things uh, before before we can uh, attack those topics. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, yeah, listen. Um, it, it's been it's been a good one. Thank you very much for joining. Um, you know. Uh, We'll continue obviously next week as usual, and yeah, keep up the good work. And uh, please check out the DubNet on all the applications that are going live soon. Uh, still require more testing. Yeah, absolutely, and like keep up the good work. Like, want to say again a massive thanks to all the community that have jumped in the the Dix chat for uh, testing out and and providing feedback in this. Massively beneficial. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Have a great evening or day and uh, stay safe. And we'll see you next week. See you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>